Amen. Someone just shout, Jesus. Come on. I, I love that. I was, uh, I was praying last night, and, and um, this thought just came to me. Whenever darkness comes in, you got to tell darkness to go. Like, you guys said, no, the light lives in me, and darkness needs to go. And um, it works, by the way, when you do that, <laughs> and, and you do it by faith. Faith is an interesting word. It, it's a biblical word, but it's also an interesting word because uh, we, we all have it. Um, now, whether your faith is in God, that's a different topic, but we all have faith, right? We, we have faith in certain objects and faith in certain people and faith in certain things. And I think it's important for us to recognize the, the value of, of faith, the value of faith. And um, and we all at least should have hope, right? You know, I mean, we should we should we should have hope. It's not a good thing when you wake up in the morning time and you're like, "Man, I'm just gonna fail today," and you know, things are gonna happen to me. That's not gonna, you know, just to have that mindset um, to be without hope is a very dark place to be, and so. We need hope. Someone say hope. So faith and hope are, are very interesting biblical words. And, and, uh, and the church ought to be a proponent, a, a, a champion of faith and hope. But the greatest is love. The, the greatest is love. And so we have to unpack um, this concept of, of, of love. If, if you're with me, I hope you're feeling what I'm, what I'm attempting to communicate to you. Um, that I believe that love is, is a weapon um, that God has given to us because he's given himself to us. Um, it, it, it's a game changer in so many different uh, aspects and areas of your life. And so we just want to wrestle with this this morning about this concept of love. If that's okay, we want to just continue on. I'm looking at, at the love of God, um, the love of God. And so let's go to our text, Genesis 22. And thank you, praise team. If You can stay there if you desire or you can be seated. It's, it's totally up to you. No pressure. Amen. So uh, if you have your Bible, just go to Genesis chapter 22. Remember I said that faith is, is something that everybody has. Faith, faith, is, um, uh, faith, faith is amazing. Um, and the reason why I know that you have faith is when you came in this morning, um, I promise you now I might be wrong, but maybe someone can say when I came in, I walked up to this chair and I was shaking it and I made sure it was stable before I sat on it, right? Maybe there's someone who did that. But for the most part, we just came and sat down because either we're accustomed to sitting down or you just have faith the chair is going to hold you, that there's no sabotage to the chair. You just sat down with no questions whatsoever. That's because you have faith in the object and because you have sat in a chair before, um, you've done that. Now, if someone's pulled a trick on you and pulled the chair out and you fall and you've fallen and it made its way to TikTok, is that a new thing now? It's 
TikTok now than today's thing, you know. And um, um, you may think differently going back to that person's house again to see if they're still going to do that. So you question the character of the person. And why would they do something like that, right? Why, why in the world would they do something like that? And so that can leave a scar. That can leave, uh, leave a, a, an experience that may try to affect your faith, um, but you just go somewhere else and you just sit down in, in, in that seat and, and just continue with life. And that's how we do things. We have moments of where we fall and we just get back up and, and brush it off and we do those things. Um, but God has this idea of us being whole. God had this crazy idea that when he created us, he wanted us to be whole and wanted us to, to enjoy all that he has for us. Um, and I think that's a good thing, don't you? I do. I think it's a really, really, really great thing um, that God desires that for us. And so in Genesis 22, verse number one, we, we looked at this last week and we got to look at after these things, God. Uh, then we also looked at God tested Abraham. And, and I want to remind you that we didn't look at the test. We'll do that next week uh, if the Lord should tarry and it will be his will, but I've scheduled to look at really what the test was. Um, and then we also looked at he called his name Abraham. And, um, and he said, so he calls the name Abraham. And, and, and I, I want to I just put a marker here because I couldn't get off Lazarus last week. I, just, I couldn't get off the power of that particular story. I just, I just couldn't get off where did God have the power through Jesus to just call Lazarus from the dead, he could have moved the stone himself and he could have came out, right? Of course he could have. He could have said, Lazarus, move the stone. Lazarus, take the burial clothes off of you and, and come to me. He didn't do that. He told somebody, I'm about to call somebody's name. <laughs> and in order for them to experience the wholeness I have for them, I need you to participate in their freedom. That just amazes me about God because he's calling people's names. He's, he, he's calling people's name. He's calling your name. And, and I know he's calling your name because if you are a believer, a follower of Christ, guess what? God called your name. I'll be excited about that. He called my name. He said, hey, Ro, August 16, I called you. I called you. And so we have to get to this place, um, I think, for the sake of society, where we're open to move stones, move barriers out of the way so people God has called can walk out in freedom. Amen. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a really, really good thing, that if we can, if we can move the stone. But the reason why sometimes we don't want to move the stone is because that person's sin stinks. And so we don't want to move it because they've been dead for years and we've given up hope that they can even, uh, God even remember their name. And, and so what happens when he said, hey, move the stone. They said, hey, he's got, it's four days. He has to smell by now. Just You cannot change the atmosphere on the outside with bringing something that was dead on the inside. And he still said, move the stone. So that we can experience a resurrection and, and, and so they moved the stone, and so Lazarus came out. And, and, I, and I shared with you, 
And I think it's neat because the picture that came to my mind is that we have people who gather and we have people who we have fellowship with. We got family members and, and, and God's called their name, but they're still, they're still wrapped up in some things. Right? They're, they're, still, they're still tied up in some things. And, and it's amazing because we fellowship with them every single day, right? And, and they're still wrapped up in things. And, 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 so, um, and so once you understand the love of God, you will then realize it is important for me then to, to let them go. That, that I have to actually um, allow God to do the great work that he wants to do in people. Stay with me because this is so important. Because you have value and you have purpose. And so here we get to this place with, with Abraham because most people, and I'm going to go to Genesis, most people that when God calls them, um, it's a process. Someone say process. I don't know about you, but I know for me it, it's been a process, right? It, it, it's, been, it's been a process to get to where I'm at. And, and one thing I thank God for all the time is his mercy. I'm saying, God, you, your mercy is amazing. I mean, your mercy is absolutely amazing in my life. Every single morning, you just create a new slate. You just give me a new sheet of paper to write my desire. Every morning, he does that. I mean, when I messed up in my mind, he mostly said things I wasn't supposed to say and treated my spouse the way I was supposed to treat my spouse and my children. And just, I wake up in the morning time, and he just says, a new, a new sheet of paper, bro. It's before you, and God's mercy is amazing. So, so we're all of a work in process. We, we all are. Now, some may have their mouth uh, not bound anymore, but, but perhaps maybe it's your feet. Maybe it's your hands. Uh, some part of your body is, is tied up, and the Holy Spirit wants you to know this morning, it's time to let go. It, it's, it's time to let go um, because... What I have for you is I have to move you from I am here to here I am. We got to move you from I am here to here I am. And so we see with, with Abraham that that was, that was a process. It, it was a process. Um, Megan wrote me a card for my birthday. And, 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 and I love when she writes me a card because I said my love language is words of affirmation. That's my love language. And in the card, I can't tell you all of it because some of it's private, but in the card, the part I can make public is, is she said, um, I love how you love celebrating your birthday. She tells everybody, she says, the moment July 6th comes, uh, he then focuses on his birthday for the month till he gets to August. So her birthday, July 5th. Okay, we celebrate Megan. Now it's time to celebrate Rowan. And I literally go and, and, and I literally have a month. I have the month of August. Uh, for my birthday. It started when I was 18, and I figured, why stop, right? So it's, it's a month that, that's there. And the reason I bring it up is because um, uh, every time it's my birthday, the reason why I celebrate is because I celebrate life. I, I do. I celebrate life. And it's really I'm celebrating what God is doing in my life because when I got saved, he changed everything. He changed everything. And so me and the Lord, we, we always have a conversation or at least... I, I, at least I, I attempt to have a conversation with him um, whenever it's my birthday because I want to ask God, like, what do you have for next year for me? Like, like what, what is it that, that you're doing? And so for the last two years, what I've done is I would go to the park by myself and I would just sit in the park and I would just enjoy nature. I wouldn't go too close in case some 
there. You know what I mean? You know, come out. So I, I stay my distance close to the car. Um, and and, and I, I seriously do that because I'm like, <laughs> um, I don't know what's in that forest, and I don't want to know what's in there. And so I, I stay outside and just enjoy God's nature from, from a distance. And, and so I'm sitting there. And so last year, you know, I did it, and I decided, well, let me go this year again. And, and I went, and, and I'm reading this book uh, that I got somebody. And, and, you know, I'm reading the book, and it's, it's, it's just messing with me. It's, it's, it's messing with me. First of all, it's teaching me not, not to judge so easily. Uh, I'm reading the book, and, and, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, why do you have to say it like that? And why do you have to say it like this? And all of a sudden, um, you know, I'm weeping. I'm crying because this book is just, it's reading my email. And, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm at the park, and I'm by myself, and, and I'm right there, and I'm reading this book. And it's just, it's just it was amazing. And I wrote there, I said, this is the season for me to understand the strength of love and to steward my time well. Like, this is my season to, to, season to be strengthened to love, but also I find that I need to be more disciplined in my life to steward the times in my life. I, I, need, I need to do better at that. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting there, and um, I'm like, okay, God, and, and, and it, it, it's, it, it's amazing, and, and, and I'm just enjoying it. And something happened that, that while I'm sitting there, um, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of cars that show up, and, and, and all of a sudden, all these ladies are just coming out of, from everywhere, just, just, just converging where I was. And so they're all coming. And, 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 and this is amazing because I'm sitting there, and, and, and I'm reading, and then all of a sudden, the volume is increasing behind me. And then all of a sudden, the volume is increasing more. And it's amazing because I'm sitting there, and I'm like, ladies can come together. This is amazing to me. Ladies can come together, and there could be six or seven at a picnic table, and everyone is talking, and nobody's saying, like, you're interrupting. Like, everybody is talking, and conversation is just taking place. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to comprehend all the voices, and they're just talking, and nobody is actually, like, saying, hey, I can't hear you. And they're having this conversation, and, and, and here's what came to me, that if I would have told them this, I am here, all I would be telling them is my location to where they are. That's all I'll be telling them. If I was saying, hey, hey, uh, I am here, what I would be telling them is my location, proximity to where they are. And that wouldn't really change anything. They would keep talking. Because all I'm telling them is the obvious thing that they can see. That's where you are. But I don't care. We're going to be right here having our conversation. And so what I have to do, if I want to engage in the conversation, if I want to steward my time correctly, what I felt I needed to say to get their attention was this. Hey, here am I. Because in saying here I am, excuse me, not here. If I would have said here I am, what I would be telling them is I have something to say. What I would be telling them is this, is that my arrival has purpose. What I would be telling them is that there is a message I must communicate that it's not just about my location. It is about my destiny. Oh, come on. And so what we have to understand is that here is Abraham now. And he's getting to this place where he's moving from I am here to now making this statement of here I am. And the transition, you may be saying, Pastor, what is the big deal? This transition is so, is so huge that it's going to shift the way that you see the love of God in your life. If someone can say amen to that. 
What God was doing, he was shifting. And what he was saying is this. Rowan, although you're, you're 51, although this is your age, I am still working on things back here in your life when you were in your 20s. God says, I've got to get you to the place where you can say to your church, to your family, here I am, but you're over here still declaring, I am here. And so we live in this, we, we live in this tension, we, we live in this space. And what he's telling us today, what he's prophesying to us, he's saying is this, is that when you understand my love, ready for this, you will understand my commitment to your growth. And I said all that to tell you this, that every single one of you on the sound of my voice, that the Father is saying, I am committed to your growth, to move you from I am here, to get you to a place where you will say like Abraham, the father of faith, and you will be able to say, here I am. That's where God is moving you. Prophetically, that's what God is doing. That he's, he's resisted the church because here's the deal. Ready for this? If we are going to successfully minister to people and unbound them and let them go, we must first meet people where they are. We must meet people where they are. Why? Because it's biblical. Because God is declaring he is committed to your growth. I said to you last week, I, I said that, that on 23 going north, it's not exit 95. I looked at my notes. It's exit 98. It's the Waldo exit. And there's this massive billboard that says committed to your growth. And I kept hearing that over and over and over again. And when you understand a love like God's, when you understand a love like his, you will submit. Someone say submit. You will submit to his commitment to your growth. You will submit because then he can bring people into your life who say, why are you touching me? Because I've got to get some stuff off of you. Why are you touching me? Because you need to be set free. Come on. So that you can be all that God has called you to be. You've got to be free so God can work on you because God is committed to your growth. The Bible says in Psalms, where can I go from your presence? If I go to the lowest parts of hell, God, you're there. If I go to the highest mountain, God, you're there. If I go to the lowest valley, God is saying, you can't run from me. I'm committed to your growth. The church must grow up in 2021. The church must become a mature body. Come on. And he's committed to our growth. He's committed to it. And we just must submit and surrender to it. Now, it's not comfortable when God shows up. (laughs) That's why we got so accustomed to just being three songs, 20-minute preaching. Let's get out. Because when God shows up, he's committed to your growth. He's going to reveal things in your life. God, I'm 51. Why are you still dealing with things in my 20s? Why? Because the enemy will bring things back here. Come on. When I'm trying to get you there. Oh, that is so good right there. The reason why God is committed to your growth. He knows that when you're trying to make progress, when you're trying to get to be a better person, you're trying to conform to the image of Christ, the enemy brings you right back here. And he brings those pressure points. He brings those scars back up. And God is saying, I'm committed to your growth. So committed to your growth. And so when we interact with people, our first thing is this. Why are you in my life? Because I'm committed to your growth. Oh, God. That's why I'm in your life. 
That's why we do community, because I've got to be like my father. I've got to be committed to your growth. And how do we know this is this is this reason? Because see, when meet people where they are, the first thing is this, is that is that we have. And I talked about location and most of the time, our location is that we're hiding. We're hiding some parts of our lives. We're, we're hiding some area of our life. And I'm going to tell you why we're doing that in just a minute. For some of us, we have to meet them where they are because they're trying to say, I'm trying to figure out my course. I don't know my longitude for my latitude. I don't know, no, I don't know where I'm going. I have a desire, but I don't know where I'm going. And I've got all these voices speaking to me. And so if you meet me where I'm at, I'm just letting you know, if you meet me where I'm at, I'm going to be hiding some things from you. I'm just letting you know that. And if you're going to meet me where I'm at, I'm going to let you know I'm all over the place. <laughs> One minute I'm up, next minute I'm down. One minute I'm up, next minute I'm down. If you're going to meet me where I'm at, if you're going to want to be committed to my growth like the Father is, then you have to understand that there will be moments where I will be all over the place in my thoughts. Because I have experiences that I don't know if I can tell you about them yet. I don't know if I can share them with you. They're not secrets, they're just scars. Mm. And so because they are scars, uh, it's a wound. It's, it's, it's a wound. Um, so right now, I don't have to think about your Jesus. I don't know what to think about him because I'm all over the place in my thoughts. And number three, when we meet people where they are, we have to understand the, 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 the loneliness. We have to understand that loneliness is, is not just the absence of people. It's also a place or a state of mind. Loneliness is a place of, of where we believe that no one is for us. And the final one is, is when you're going to meet me where I'm at, understand that I'm also looking at all the options. I'm looking at all the options to see what direction I should go in. Have I identified at least a couple of people in this place? And perhaps online that you can say, yeah, yeah, Pastor Ro. Mm -hmm. That's exactly where I'm at. I am here. I'm right here. And so in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, we see where it all began. We go back to the, to the Adamic nature. The, the nature of being a human. And so we go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, and, and what we see is that, is that God creates Adam, and he creates him in perfection, and he, and, and he gives Adam everything he needs to function according to his design. He, he gives Adam everything he needs. He, he, he creates everything. And so they're having an amazing fellowship. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, listen to this. It says now, and they heard the sound of the Lord. This is Genesis 3, verse 8 from the English Standard Version. And they heard what? The sound of the Lord God doing what? Walking in the garden in the cool of the breeze. This tells me that God wants to invade churches then. It's telling me that God actually wants to invade church. He actually wants to be amongst us and he wants to walk amongst us by what? His Holy Spirit. That's why I told you earlier, you need the Holy Spirit. 
That he actually wants to come because he said, I'm committed to your growth. Yeah, I'm committed to your growth. I'm committed to your growth. I know exactly where you are. I know exactly, I know, I know your thoughts. And so when we come together, what we must understand is this, is there's a sound from heaven that we want to make sure comes to earth. That's why this can't be a concert. Come on, somebody, because that's not the sound that God wants to make. It can't be a concert. It can't be a club. The sound that God wants to make, the sound of the Lord, is God coming to commune with his people. That he actually wants to come corporately. Can God meet you by yourself? Yes, but he doesn't want to do that. He actually wants you to meet with other people. Why? So you can see what God is doing in somebody else's life. And you can celebrate that and realize the same God who's blessing them can bless me. And so he's walking the cool of of the breeze. And he said, the man and the woman hid themselves from what? The presence of the Lord God amongst the tree in the garden. What did God do? I want you to write this down because this is going to free somebody. This is going to free somebody. Don't confuse what we have labeled, man has labeled permissive will as if it is God's perfect will. Permissive will didn't enter into humanity until they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we judge something doesn't mean we're judging it based on God's standard. And so we, because of the grace of God, he sustains us to make our own decisions that we call choices, but there's consequence that comes with it. And so we call it God's perfect will. God calls it, I'm covenant with you. He says, I'm in covenant with you. Why? Because I committed to your growth. And so where you go, I'm going to go. Because I got to get to this place where you understand that my desire is to commune with you. My desire is to have fellowship with you. My desire is to walk with you and to remind you that you don't have to do this thing alone. Oh, that's so good. And so God is saying this. He comes down now and he says, Adam, where are you? He calls to the man. He says, where are you? Where are you on these issues? Where are you on this? Where are you? He's asking the question, Adam, where are you? Now that God, God knew where Adam was. So why ask this question? Because what God was doing was this. I want, listen, here's what God was doing. He says, Adam, I want my perfect will to be your will. Oh, my goodness. Do you think that God is up in heaven seeing all that's taking place with the children of men? And he's like, well, let them figure it out. That's not what God is doing. He's not saying, you guys figure it out because you're the one that made the mess. Oh, that's so good right there. That should be, I think. He's not saying, you guys figure it out because you're the one that's at war with each other. You guys are the one that's, that's all the stuff. He says, no, I'm committed to your growth because I got to get you to understand Genesis 22. You have to understand a love like his. And so what God is looking for was this. God was searching Adam's heart and he was longing for him to say, not, listen, what God wanted Adam to say was this, here I am. But he didn't. What Adam said was, I am here. 
And so the people that you come in contact with and where we all started and where God has made his commitment was right from the beginning. God was right there when Adam fell. He was right there. He was not somewhere else. He was right there waiting for Adam. He was committed to Adam's growth. He's committed to your child's growth. He's committed to your future. God is so committed that he is saying, listen, Adam, where are you? And here's the answer. Here's what most people are thinking. Here's what most people are saying. This is after 30 years of being in ministry. Here's the people I come across when we try to bring the gospel of freedom, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what, here's what typically happens. They say, well, I'm here. And they realize I have no salvation, only judgment. There is no salvation for me, only judgment. If I walk into church, it's going to collapse. <laughs> I'm, I'm the worst of sinner. And so I'm hiding from church because I know there is no way, there is no way that God's love is that deep oh, that he can reach me where I'm at. There is no way God's love is that deep to erase everything that I've done. No, no, there's no salvation and there's only judgment. So Adam realized his eyes were open and he says, all I can do is hide. There is no salvation for me. God told me not to do this. I did it. And so now all there is is judgment. All there is is religion. So I'm going to try to work this thing out by myself. I'm going to take leaves and I'm going to clothe myself. And there's people that are coming and they're saying, oh, that there is, is judgment. And the answer is yes. Of course there's judgment. God cannot be loving without bringing wrath at the same time. God can't be a God of judge without offering salvation. And so what happens is that we wrestle in this tension now of there's no salvation, only judgment. So the people that you're meeting right now when you're talking to them, they're listening. Are you going to judge me? 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 And that is what the enemy is hitting their minds with. And you could come with untie my bow tie, who stole my Honda stuff. And all they're saying is this. You are here to judge me because the enemy is whispering. That's all they're here to do. He's not telling them that you got a bandage around them. He's not telling them that you're bleeding. He's just telling them that they're here to judge you. And so they're simply saying, I am here right now. And there's no way I can move from here. Not only is there no salvation, only judgment. Number two, there is no service, only shame. There's no way you're here to serve me. After what I did, there's only shame. There is no way possible. So I'm not going to go to church service. So what we do, we make that the highlight of our Sunday gatherings. We spend everything just to get people to come to service. And God is like, ah, but they're still bringing their shame. They're still bringing their shame. Why? Because we have to get to this place where we understand now that it's not just about what I can do for God. It's what God is doing for me. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, how precious is that fountain. That makes me clean. That makes me whole. So when we come together, and when you said, I am here, you said, I'm at this place of shame. And so I can't come. 
See, that's why we don't need some strategy of how to fill the church, how to get people to come. They're walking in shame. They're walking in a place of judgment. And so now we have to be people to let them know, no, God is committed to your growth. That God's desire is for you to experience a love like his that transforms everything. And so if you have no salvation, only judgment. If you have no service, but only shame, you have no assurance, only guilt. And what do we do? Come to the altar and repeat after me and say this prayer. And we tell them, you say this prayer, and all of a sudden now, your guilt is gone. And they walked away still bound up. Walked away still feeling judgment. Walked away still feeling shame. And so we can say, how many got saved? 15. No, they didn't. Come on now. Come on now. They have no assurance of the love of God. You want to know why? Because I've been there. (laughs) Bought the t-shirt of where I came to the altar and said the prayer. Because the guilt was overwhelming. There was no power behind my prayer. It was simply I was in a room in an environment where the enemy was beating me up. And to silence him, I went to the altar. And so that's where people are. And so they go back. And so here it is that God says, but I'm still committed to your growth. I'm still committed to your growth. And so we have people. We wonder, why, why do young people leave the faith? Here is why. Because they never actually was taught the faith. <laughs> they were never taught the faith. <laughs> they walked away from an experience, not an encounter. Come on. Because when you encounter love, be it positive or negative, it messes you up. Oh, come on, somebody. There's people who experience love in an abusive way and it messed up their mind that they can't even comprehend wholeness anymore. And they walk for the rest of their life. Come on, having this traumatic experience and they get abused and, and men and ladies and all those things. Why? Because they an experience of what they perceive to be love and it messed them up. So I know, I know that when you encounter God, it changes you for the rest of your life. Do you struggle? Yes. Are you going to have some suffering? Yes. But there's one thing I am rock solid convinced of is the love of God for my life. The love of God for my life. I need to hurry. And so here's what happens. And Adam said it. When God said, Adam, where are you? Oh, this is so good. Someone's getting free this morning. Yeah. Someone's being empowered to go back to your loved ones, go back to your friends. Says, oh my gosh, we did it wrong the whole time. I'm so sorry. I want to first let you know God is committed to your growth. We've done it wrong the whole time. Because you are experiencing judgment and the enemy is perverting it and is holding you back from walking in the freedom that God has for you. So I want to right the wrong. God is committed to your growth. And what you need is to experience, not just that, but you need to encounter with God's love. Because once you encounter God's love, it changes everything. Because here's what Adam said. He says this. I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I am here afraid of you because I was naked and I hid myself. I was naked and hid myself. The essence of counseling, the essence of psychology, everything right there hinges right on this particular text right here. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. You were consistent and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Church, it is no longer 
um, uh, advantageous for us. It is no longer um, um, cool to hide ourselves from the world. We must be a light that shines bright to a world that is desperately looking for guidance. And so to our text, we go to Genesis 22. Because God is committed to your growth, he wants you to understand that how did Abraham answer, here I am? I said earlier that there is a, um, there is a law that is taught theologically called the law of first mention. In Genesis 22, there are first that are mentioned, uh, and that's why this text is so potent. That's why I encourage you to read it. Because in Genesis 22, the first time we hear the word here, I am, it's one word in the Hebrew. It's also the first time we hear the word love. It's also the first time the word worship is mentioned. And so the three main things is love, worship, and here I am. It's good that we look at this because we see what's going on. And so, so how do you know when you're actually at a place where you can say, here I am? Um, it, it, it becomes this. You see, here I am is not just you politely saying, um, I hear you. That's not what you're telling God. God, I hear you. That, that's not what you're saying. When you say, here I am, what you're telling God is that I'm fully present to your perfect will for my life. That you know that you have a past, and you know God knows your future, but in the present, I'm right here. And so when God calls your name, you are saying, in one Hebrew word, you're saying, I'm present, God, right here. That I'm answering the call. It is not how we put it. God does not come to us and say, um, pardon the interruption. I know you're busy right now. So when you get a moment, can you please, like, return my call? That's not how God operates. We do that. But that's not how God operates. When God calls, he calls because he has your destiny. He has your future. He has everything with his voice. Just like how he says, let there be light, there was light. So when he calls your name and you respond to it, you are saying, here I am, fully committed to your perfect will for my life, Lord. Abraham makes this statement, has no idea what God's going to say, but he looks at God's track record and he says, God, here I am. Whatever you want to do, I don't know yet, but whatever you want to do with my life, you are fully committed to my growth, therefore I'm fully committed to your voice. I said again, God, I'm fully committed to your voice because you're fully committed to my growth. That's what this word is saying. This word is a significant turning point in your life. This particular word, here I am, is a potential life-changing moment that requires you and I to make a decision, an action, and to take a conviction. This word, here am I, is literally saying this. You are saying, God, you know everything about me. You're calling me. And at this precise moment, write this down, this is a holy moment. Ooh, that's so good. That when he calls your name, he's saying this, that this moment is holy. So I'm going to take my shoes off because the ground is holy. This moment when God calls you, he has not just your attention. We're going to get to it. He has your availability. Oh, God. And so when he called 
Abraham, Abraham says, God, I am here in this holy moment. I have no idea what you're going to tell me to do, but I know if it comes from you, ready, it's your perfect will, and I'm ready to partner with your eternal covenant between me, you, and your people. So in other words, when you say, here I am, you're telling God, how can I fulfill my role in your redemptive history? Come on. How can I fulfill my role in your redemptive history? How can I do that? And so here are the three things that I'm done. Here's the three things that we see manifest in this. Here are the three things. And this will change the world. This is what the enemy is afraid of you coming to understand. This is you moving from I am here to here I am. The enemy is absolutely nervous. He doesn't want you to know the love of God. Doesn't want you to know that. Because the first thing is this. Write this down. When you say here I am, you are saying this. God, I'm, av- I'm available to you because your love chose me for your purpose. That's what it's saying. God, I'm available because your love chose me for a purpose. That's what Abraham was saying. He says, here, I am here. And he's saying that, that, that God, I am available because your love chose me. Ephesians 1 verse 4 and 5. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 says this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be what? Holy. There's that holy moment again. He says we should be holy. How do you become holy? Holy means to separate. So in other words, I'm going to separate from I am here. Come on. And I'm not going to move over to here I am. It's a holy moment. So to be holy means I'm sanctified. I want to think like God. I want to walk like God. I want all of God to be in me. I want to be conformed to his image. Come on. He said you should be holy. That's not a word to run from. That's a word that we should embrace. We should be a holy people separated unto God. Hallelujah. So when people come in from the culture, if we don't tell them that God is holy, you want the culture to stay on them. You want them to still stay in their bondage and in their bandage. So when we preach wholeness about sin, it's for you to separate from the culture that wants to kill you. Not to ruin your party, not to ruin your fun. It's for you to realize this is holy. And I want to be blameless before him in love. Blameless? How in the world? Because I stand in his righteousness. He came after me. He is the one that's pursuing me. And it says, in love, he predestined us to be adopted to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So the first thing you're saying is this. Here I am. I am I am available to God because he chose me in love. That's the first thing. Not your calendar. Doesn't want your calendar. Doesn't want your calendar. It's not, let me see what I'm doing and let's see if I can fit Jesus in. It's not the calendar. It's for you to recognize that there are holy moments in my life that God wants to interact with me today. And when I say here I am, what I'm saying is this, is that He's committed to my growth. And so God, this way you look at your day. God, what do you want to do today? What is that you want to accomplish in your redemptive history today? Is there something you're downloading to me, God, that I need to, to know? 
I must be available to you, God. The second thing when you say, here I am, is you're saying this, that, that I'm now accessible to other people because God's love commands me to love. Let me just share those two, and I'm going to end with those two. We have mixed those two up big time, and that's why we miss moments with God. We've actually put our accessibility to people or being accessible to people above our availability to God. And when we do that, we're getting things out of order. We're getting things out of order. You see, when you tell somebody that you're available to God, you are letting them know, watch this, you're letting them know that God has the entire being of who I am. He has all of me because I am no good to you if God doesn't have all of me. Because God is committed to my growth, in order for me to be committed to your growth, I have to make sure that God has all of me. Oh, that is so good. Because here's why in Genesis 22, verse 7 to 9, this is the, listen, this scripture is how you parent your child. This scripture right here is how you do relationships right. Genesis 22, verse 7 to 9. I want to show you this. I want to show you this because this is so good. He says this. So Isaac says to his father, he says, Abraham, my father. And Abraham responds, responds, here I I am. I want you to watch this. In the Hebrew, the same word that Abraham answered God, here I am, is the same word he answered his son Isaac asking him, hey, Abraham, where are you? What he's telling Abraham, what he's telling Isaac is, he says, Isaac, because I've spent time with God, I'm available to God, I see you as I see God. That if I don't see you like I see God, the enemy will try to bring in judgment. Oh, come on. The enemy will try to bring in shame. The enemy will try to bring something in to create a barrier to your blessing. And so when I answer you, here I am, what I'm telling you, Isaac, is this. The same way that I'm available to God, I'm now going to see it the same way so I now can have access. Come on. That you can now access me without me making you an idol. That I now can handle and I can be committed to your growth. Why? Because God has all of me. And the reason why we're seeing what's going on is because the church is so divided because we don't know if God has all of us, right? And so what he's saying is this, that there are people that are saying, can somebody please come and share the gospel with me without compromising the gospel? He says, Isaac. Here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? What Abraham did was this. He says, my worship with God is how I parent. My worship with God is how I run my business. My worship with God is how I handle my marriage. My worship with God is how I think. Everything about my life connects to my worship with God. There is nothing I do that doesn't connect to my worship with God. Can I have one person who understands that everything about you has to be about him? 
And it was because of that, Isaac said, oh, that's cool. Let's walk together. (laughs) He says, if that's how you're going to love me, like how God loves you, if you're going to be committed to me, dad, like God is committed to your growth and you're committed to be with God, then let's go. And the Bible says they walked together. Knowing that Isaac was carrying the sacrifice on him. Oh, God. Isaac had the elements of worship on him. He was carrying the very thing that he was going to have to use for his worship. But because his daddy said, here I am, the same way he told God that he was available, Isaac said, let's go, Dad. I'm not going to question what you're doing because I know that God is committed to you. You'll be committed to me. And so no young person will ever walk away from true worship. When they experience the love of God, what you saying, Pastor, what about my family? No, when they experience the worship of God, don't you give up. Come on, stay committed to your child. Stay committed and says, God, I know it may not be working out right now, but it's not going to affect my worship over here. Because the enemy wants me to move from here I am to I am here, confused about my child, confused about this, confused about that. The enemy wants to pull you away from the here I am to I am here. And don't let him do that. Don't let him do that. So how do we launch? Where do we go from here? We have to start asking honest questions and give honest answers. We have to start asking honest questions. And give honest answers. And so as I launch out, I'm asking an honest question. Where are you today? Where are you today? People you love asking that. Where are you today? Where are you in your thought? Where are you? Are you hiding? Is there some judgment that you have to deal with? Is there some conviction that God is bringing to you that you're having difficulty processing? I'm here to help you. Why? Because I've given myself all to God. He's committed to my growth. He's committed to your growth. Where are you this morning? Don't touch an issue in the world if you don't know where you are. Don't, don't, Don't touch it. Because we'll give our opinions based on the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. But if we're eating from the tree of life, come on. If we're eating from the tree of life, we come with God's perfect will. And we can now say, I'm partnering with God to bring healing to the nations. I'm partnering with God to bring you truth because people are lying to you. People are holding back information. And so we want to be a conduit of God's love. But we have to make sure we know where we are. Where are you, those watching online? Where are you? The enemy has whispered lies to so many people, and they bit into it, and they're going all over the place. Because the enemy is lying to you. Listen, God gave me a message for, for September. He says, I think the church has forgotten that the world hates them. I don't care who you are. The world hates you. That's Bible. I don't care what side you're on. The world hates you. It's like the Grinch. You know what I mean? When he says from the mountain, I hate you. That is what the world is saying. So church, why are we fighting when the world hates us? Get out of the world. (laughs) 
The world is not committed to your growth. The world is not committed to your family. The world is not committed to your success. No, 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 no. Listen, he said, I got to tell the church, tell the church, bro. The world hates you. Every last one of you. So what's the issue? The reason why the world hates you, we'll get to it. But that's why Jesus can say, love your enemies. How could he say, love your enemies? How could he say that? Because I'm available to God and have access to your growth. And even your enemies, the world hates. So what do we all have in common? The world hates us. So let's start from there, shall we? And let's say, God, here I am. Here I am. Because I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Mm. And so, when you make that statement, come on. There are people I need to get free. There are people I need to get free. Where are you? With every head bowed, every eyes closed. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. Love is so powerful. When I talk about love, I'm not talking about being passive and Kumbaya, I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about biblical agape love. That changes everything. Honest question needs honest answers. Where are you? Where are you when it comes to your love for God and love for others? Where are you? If you're here right now and you would say, Pastor Rowe, I said the prayer years ago. Um, I, I, I said the prayer. I, I repeat after somebody. I, says, I said the prayer. But your message today is making me dig deeper to answer the question here. Here I am. Can I really say that, God? Can I really say here I am? And I want to be able to make that declaration. I want to be able to say here I am. God, I'm available to you 100%. I'm all in. I'm all in. That's you this morning. I want you to know no shame here, no judgment here. No guilt here. Right where you are, make that prayer. Make that prayer of say, God, I'm going to have an honest conversation with you. I've never really experienced your love. I've never really encountered your love. And I, and I want to, I want to encounter it now. I, I, I want to do that. My spouse needs for me to encounter God. My, my employees need for me to encounter God. My, my children need for me to encounter God. My church needs for me to encounter God. I need to be committed. Honest questions leads to honest answers. There's people to your right, to your left. They're not doing well if they'd be honest. And they need for you to come and to commit to their growth as the Father is committed to your growth. And to ask them honest questions and get honest answers. Is there a place where we can actually 
commit to doing that. It's right here. It's they walked together. Isaac and Abraham walked together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you for what you're doing. I think after a message like this, we have to have uh, an opportunity for people to actually respond to it. If you're here and, and you want to make a commitment to your own growth and to the growth of others, I want you to leave your seat, if possible, and just come to this altar. not going to be long, but I just, if that's you and St. Pastor Rowe, I, I, I want to make that commitment. I look at my schedule. I'm all over the place. I schedule God in when he's available. I schedule God in when I'm available, but, but I, I, I want to go all in. I'm, I'm committed. Um, I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm committed. Jesus. Yes. 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 I'm committed. When God calls my name, I will answer, here I am. Here I am. Thank you, Jesus. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am, worshiping you with all I am, worshiping you, bowing down. In spirit and truth, with lifted hands, worshiping you. Come on, just, just one more minute. Here I am, singing with you.